And uh, I just want to make you aware of something uh, we've we just started to do. Uh, they're out on the desk over there. I went and found some, put some out this morning. Um, it's a card. It's very simple. It says, this is my story. And on the back, there's, a, well, I've scribbled on mine, but there's a white space where you can write something of your story. It doesn't need to be your whole life story. Uh, you may need a bit more space than just this little bit of card, but it could just be a testimony like we've heard. God has looked after me in sickness and has brought me back to health. It could be a bit more detail on that. But, you know, gratitude inexpressed is ingratitude. When we express it, we bring thanks to God and we also bring glory to him and help others to look to our wonderful Father. And it helps us all to grow in faith. And so I want to encourage us, why not just grab one and keep it in your Bible and then whenever you've got the opportunity, you think, that's been brilliant. That's been brilliant. God, you've, just, you've come through on something. Why not just fill it in and then you pop it in the offering and uh, you, there's various boxes you can tick on this if you don't want us to share your testimony, but some of these will end up going on our website. Some of them will be, we'll ask you to come and share on a Sunday. Um, lots of different ways in which uh, we can give glory to God through telling his story of our provision. You know, we've, uh, I wasn't planning on saying this, but over the last few weeks we've had a bit of a challenge with our house move, which... Uh, uh, some of you will have picked up on and uh, a building society who will remain nameless who are being very, very awkward about moving our mortgage and wanting us to pay massive amounts of money, nearly a five-figure sum uh, in penalties to move our mortgage, which was just bizarre. And uh, some of you have been praying for us and thank you for those of you who prayed for us for our move because uh, uh, in the end that worked through. Uh, it took five weeks and probably 50 hours on the phone Um, but actually God came through and provided for us. And we're so grateful for your prayers and support. And uh, we moved, by the way, this coming Friday. We're so excited to actually be eventually uh, coming to uh, Alton. Um, So, yeah, you may just want to use those. Just as we were in that place of worship this morning, I felt God just stir me to just spend some time seeking him for words for individuals. So before we actually... uh, turn to the word. There's just a number of words I'd like to uh, share for individuals. Uh, as I do so, uh, please, you know, if you're thinking, oh, but you've not got one for me, that's okay because God's in control. He'll have one for you when it's the right time. Celebrate for those who these words are for. If one of these is for you, please go away and weigh it. Just because I bring it doesn't mean it's right. You have a God-given responsibility to go away and weigh it and check it out. And if you've got questions, you're very welcome to come and have a word with myself. But check it out with other people who know you. Go and weigh it it against Scripture. God's not going to say anything which is contrary to Scripture. But I, I just want to bring these and I'll leave them very much with you to decide whether they apply and what to do with them. Um, so I, I felt God just for five different uh, people here. Uh, first one, Sandra and Martin, it was for you. Uh, Don't look so surprised. God can speak to you. (laughs) Um, The phrase which came to mind was this, that God is taking you into a season where you'll know you're standing on holy ground. That he's drawing you into a place of great intimacy with him. As a couple, not as individuals, but as a couple. And out of that will flow things which you've never done before in your lives as a couple. 
And I, I may have some ideas on that. I'm not, I don't want to say them because I think they may be my ideas. I feel comfortable with where I've gone, so I'm not going to go any further on that. So please go away and wait. it. But just a, I, I feel there's a real season of change uh, in your lives of intimacy with God together as a couple and you'll find God takes you on a journey as a couple and uses you as a couple for his glory. Is that okay? Grand. Jez. Cool. It's amazing. You see after somebody's name, yeah, that, that sort of... <laughs> um, it was this. I felt God wanting to say to you that he, at the moment, is testing your priorities in order to bring definition to them. And out of that, there are choices God's calling you to make. That is, he tests your priorities and brings definition to them. There will be choices you need to make. God choices you're going to have to make. And God's just warning you that's what he's doing. You may, I think you may even be wondering, even in this season, what's been going on? And God would say that's what he's been doing. That is what he's doing. And God is calling you to make God choices but God first choices uh, Jean, Jean-Baptiste thank you for your greetings I walked past you it, it, it caught something in my spirit and I felt God start to speak to me for you um, I feel the Lord wants to bring a change of focus in your mind and in your heart, and out of that change of focus, a greater expectation for the power of God to be present in all that you do with all the different people you work with in every setting. And I feel there will be, it's going to be like downloads of power as you pause and stop and look for God in all that you do in your secular work, but also in other settings. As you pause and wait for him, he will like give you a download of his wisdom, his power, his authority to speak into situations in a new way which you've not done before. But it starts with a change in your mindset and a change in your focus and your heart of expecting, I believe, God to use you in this way. Is that okay? Great. Um, Andrew, Andrew Dane. Hiya. Um, I just felt God wanted to say these next few years are going to be really important. Now, in my mind, I, I, you know, I've got to know a little bit about you and think, well, that's university or whatever. Um, but I felt God say this. The Father has taken great delight in recent decisions you've made. And over this next three, four years, he wants to shape and hone you for his glory but within that a bit like turning a bit of wood if you know what I mean by that when a bit of wood's put in a lathe and it's turned by a master craftsman you will know the master craftsman's blade shaping you and sometimes shaping can be painful because oh it's knocking a corner off it's oh I'd rather like that bit hang on it's just gone I'd rather like that bit of my life but I feel God would say that He's going to shape you and define you and hone you to an object of great glory, an object of honour, 
an object which brings him even greater delight in who you are. And it's about his character, your character being worked through him over these years, not about what you do. Is that okay? And then uh, finally, but not least at all, Sean, I just felt, um, you, after you shared, um, I just felt God say, there's so much more. There's so much greater flow. And make sure you're here to receive this morning. And let's gather around you and pray for you for that greater flow of his river in your life. Is that okay? Good, good. Okay. Uh, each and every one of those people, if you want to uh, have someone pray for you, please come forward afterwards. We'd be delighted to be able to pray with you. Okay, well, um, four weeks ago we started a bit of a journey as a church. We started talking about uh, or exploring what we mean by this word membership. And uh, I appreciate you know, the, the, uh, the word membership can have a lot of uh, baggage associated with it. Because sometimes we perhaps have been in situations where church membership hasn't worked terribly well or where um, there's been a particular type of expectation or maybe even control imposed uh, through membership. And uh, as we, uh, I think we've said this every week, but I think we need to repeat it. As we come this morning, I want to encourage us, let's not be in that place where we're frightened or fearful. Let's look to hear what God's saying. Let's allow his Holy Spirit to work in us. Ultimately, this isn't about a system. This is about being part, heart commitment, heart joining together with a a bunch of people before God. And so let's not worry too much about the word in a wrong sense in terms of its historic connotations. But let's understand that God wants us to more and more be joined together as a family committed heart commitment to one another and uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the whole subject of leadership and uh, why the role of leadership is essential in every church now I'm very aware that as soon as I've uttered those words for a whole bunch of people you may be thinking oh this is about elders turn off rest we'll wake up again in half an hour Uh, please don't do that it's not about elders okay we may talk about the role of elders for a few minutes within this it's far far more than this i'd like you to start off by uh thinking about the role of a shepherd now if we had gordon wyeth here this morning i may have pulled him up and said gordon tell us a little bit about what you do gordon you aren't here are you i've looked around i don't think i've seen you no, make yourself known if you are. No, um, what do you do? Tell us about what you do. You know, when we think about a shepherd, the biblical picture of a shepherd, the way shepherds worked in biblical times, is this: they used to lead the flock. The flock knew the shepherd's name, uh, voice really well, and they would follow his voice. They would even sing to their flock at times. The shepherd would lay across the entrance to the sheepfold to protect them at night. The shepherd would look out for the sheep and make sure they were well fed and taken to good pastures. He would care for the sheep, watch out for illness, 
infection. He would make sure the sheep were well looked after. It was very relational. He had a relationship with his sheep. They weren't just a project or a job. They were his sheep. Jesus calls some to be under shepherds to him, the chief shepherd. And we'll come back to that in a moment in terms of talking about eldership. But actually, we can all help one another. We can all lead one another in different ways. And so I'd like to suggest there's three broad areas where we could consider leadership in the church. And the first of these is this, self-leadership. We are all have a responsibility for our lives. And we need to lead our lives. And sometimes I think we can think, oh, well, leadership, that's something over there that certain people do. But actually, we need to understand that we have a God-given responsibility for our lives. And we need to lead ourselves. And if you have a family, we need to lead our families Husbands and wives together. Self-leadership is really important. I would like to suggest to you this. It is the foundation for anything else we may do. Because first, in the place of self-leadership, we establish a track record. We establish integrity to what we are called to do. If we are going to lead others, we first of all need to be able to lead ourselves. Now, you may say, well, Andrew, what do you mean by self-leadership? Well, what are you doing with your life? Where are you going with your life? What's important in your life? You may think, uh, or who's important in your life? How are you caring for yourself? How are you caring for key people in your life, family members? There's a whole wide range of things for self-leadership, and we can grow in this. It's not just something which we drift into and do casually but no we can be intentional we can grow in how we lead ourselves how we look after ourselves how we feed ourselves do you know i'm so grateful for my wife because she makes i make sure i eat well this is an area which my self-leadership is not very good in she's brilliant she makes sure i eat i, I eat all the different colors you're meant to eat and the different textures and well at least she tries to make sure i do because when I was a bachelor, I lived out of a freezer, basically. It was not quite ready meals, but not very far adrift from ready meals. But actually, you can learn about these things. And we need to learn about them. We need to grow as individuals. We need to develop our skills to lead ourselves. Whether it's leading ourselves in our workplace, in our home, in our family, in our dietary requirements, understanding ourselves, making sure that we get appropriate rest, but also we get appropriate exercise, making sure we get appropriate rest in God, but also that we exercise our faith in God, that we grow in our relationship with God. These are all aspects of self-leadership. In that sense, we're all called to leadership. But you know what? Secondly, we're all called to another form of leadership. And it's this. It's making disciples. Making disciples. See, Scripture is very clear. We're all called 
to go and make disciples. Now, I think sometimes we think in our heads, oh, well, that's all about people getting saved, isn't it? No, that's a step on the journey of disciples. Disciples, we've talked about this a few months ago in our series where we looked at the word disciple. What do we mean by disciple? Well, people who understand who they are in Jesus. People who've got a living relationship, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, walking by the Spirit. People who are applying the Word of God in our lives, who are living out the Word of God in our lives, who are sharing our faith. There's lots and lots of different aspects to being a disciple. And actually, we're called to help one another be disciples. They may go, well, what do you mean? I can help somebody else follow Jesus. Yes, you can. It's not just the leaders, (laughs) In the sense of the traditional sense of the elders who disciple people. No, we all disciple people. We've all got a role to play. You see, in that sense, there is a a level of leadership responsibility we're all called to exercise. We're all called to exercise, which is helping people follow Jesus. Can I ask, what are you doing about that? Can I ask you to ask yourself that question for a moment? How am I discipling somebody either in this church or who's not yet even saved because we disciple them into Christ and into salvation. Who am I looking to influence? Who am I looking to shape? Because we're all called to go and make disciples. All of us. You may say, no, Andrew, you don't understand. I can't. Why? You may say, well, nobody's ever discipled me. Okay, but have you found Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Can you help somebody on the bit of the journey you've done so far? Can you explain something of your faith or what it is, uh, what you do with your faith? Can you help somebody outwork that? Surely you can. Surely we all can help people go on the journey that we've been on. And we can all look out for one another and inspire and encourage I would just say this though don't try and lead people where you're not prepared to go it doesn't work it really doesn't work but if you've been there or you're going there then take somebody else with you on that journey who could you grab hold of who could you grab hold of and love in that way and help to follow Jesus who is it, think about it or maybe who is it you're already doing that with it's a form of leadership now the third setting for leadership is this there's a gift of leadership The Bible talks about a gift of leadership. And people being given different gifts of leadership. For some it's uh, for a big number of people. For others it's a few. There's a great story in the book of Exodus. The story of the people of God coming out of slavery. Where um, Moses who's led the people. His father-in-law Jethro turns up. And Moses is sort of holding court really. He's, He's doing everything. He's, he's judged for the whole people. He sorts out all the issues, whether they're little issues or big issues. He's doing the whole lot. And uh, Jethro turns up and sees what's going on. And, 
it sounds like Jethro gets saved in the process. Certainly, Jethro has come from a, 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 another background. And it seems that Jethro gets saved. He, he talks about, it talks about Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done. And various other things. It sounds like he goes on, the, on quite a journey. And then in verse 17 of Exodus 18, you don't need to turn to it. It says this, Moses' father-in-law replied, this is to, so this is Jethro speaking to Moses, what you are doing is not good. I wonder how you'd feel if your father-in-law turned up. You're leading a mighty people who are on an amazing journey. <laughs> and your father-in-law turns up and goes, what you're doing is not good. Woo. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Hey, some godly wisdom here. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from among all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over hundreds Sorry, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Powerful statement there, isn't it? If you do this and God so commands, whoa, Here's this man being used of God to bring a correction and explain something here, very powerful, which is there's different gifts for different people in leadership. (laughs) Moses listens to his father-in-law and very wisely did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of all the of the people, officials over hundreds, sorry, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Wonderful story. Wonderful story. Each of us will be gifted in different ways to lead. Some of us, we may not feel we've got a gift to lead lots of people. That's fine. To be frank, if you haven't, you don't want to do it. Others of us may feel it's a life group or a ministry area. Others of us may say it's just one or two. Others of us may get, say, hey, I think it's bigger than that. Maybe I could oversee a number of life groups. Maybe I could do this in my workplace. Maybe I can manage a team in, in the office. Maybe I can run a business. Maybe I could be a counsellor or an MP. Affect thousands of people's lives. Maybe I could lead a church. Maybe I'm called to eldership. Maybe it's of a large church, much larger church than this, a church of thousands. Each one of us will be gifted by God for different things. And even in different seasons. The challenge, I guess, is this. We need to work out what we've got grace for, what we've got faith for, and then put our hands to it. What have you got graceful what have you got faith for who could you lead is it the one or two is it the five or the ten or the fifty or the hundred 
What do you feel God's giving you grace to do in terms of leadership? And what setting? Is it in the setting of church life? Is it in the workplace? Is it in the community? It can be a combination of all of those. They aren't exclusive. What's God giving you grace to do today? To carry as somebody who can lead some other people today. Now, actually, we haven't really yet got on to talk about, well, what is leadership? And where do we, how do we understand what leadership really looks like? What does biblical leadership look like? And so I just want to list a few things, a few characteristics, a few values of biblical leadership. And the first one is this. It's servant leadership. We believe in servant leadership. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45, we can read this. Um, It's written in the context of James and John having asked to uh, ask Jesus. uh, Basically, they wanted to sit at his right and his left. They wanted status. And uh, Jesus uh, uh, brings them back down to earth. And then the other disciples heard about it. And actually in verse 41 it says this, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Not surprising. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when we think about the greatest leader of all time, Jesus, we get a massive insight from this passage. He's referred to as the servant king. There was even a song many, many, many years ago. Uh, Those of a certain age upwards will probably remember it. Don't sing it very often any longer, do we? (laughs) Servant leadership is God's way. It's not the way of the world, it's God's way. Jesus came to serve, to be an example, not the exception. The world says leaders are the exception. You put them up there. No, Jesus came as an example. We're called to copy Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. It's all about heart attitude. See, we're not looking for superstars. Leaders in the church, Christian leaders, are not superstars. They're servants. They're people with humility who know God, who know who they are in God, And from this, want to express how they can help others or serve others. And so when we think about leadership, one of our values of leadership is this, servanthood. The aim of Christian servant leadership then is to equip and release people. To multiply ministries, not to monopolise, not to control, not to... uh, uh, be, be some sort of restrictive cork in the bottle. No, it's to release, to give away, 
to empower, to enthuse, to equip, to multiply, to give it all away. Servanthood, a servanthood attitude will lead us to partnership, not independence. It will lead us to collaboration, working with others. And it will lead us to team, healthy team. Not team in name, where everybody does what I tell them to do, but real, genuine team, where we all play our part together and go on a journey together. That's why servanthood is so important. You see, how we lead... Well, it's just a massive statement. It's a statement about our hearts. How do you lead? What's your leadership say about your heart? Are you here to serve? Are you happy to serve in your workplace? In school? In the family? At the school gate? Do you demand your rights? No, I'm the boss. I don't need to make coffee. Others do that. The minions do that. No, 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 no. We're here to serve. We're here to empower. We're here to help people do better than us. Do better than us? You're going to be joking. You're talking about my career path. No, do better than us. Do better than us in the church. Do better than us in the kingdom of God. Do better than us in our workplace. To genuinely equip and release. To encourage, to strengthen. It all comes out of a servant heart. When it comes to leadership, what's our heart like? What's your heart like? Are you looking to be served? Are you looking for status? For control? For authority? Or is it a heart of godly humility? It says, I want to serve. I want to serve. It's a heart issue, first of all. Jesus modeled that brilliantly as a servant king second thing Jesus modeled was this he was accountable he believed in accountable leadership Jesus was accountable to the father John 5 19 he talks about I only do what I see the father doing hang on this is the son of God this is the son of almighty God well he's accountable yeah yeah that's how the trinity works The Trinity has accountability and authority. And actually, great authority comes when we are accountable. Not the other way around. We don't get great authority first and, well, accountable second. No, 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 no. Out of accountability arises authority. There is no authority without accountability. I'll say that again. There's no authority without accountability. And we can be accountable in lots of different ways. Through team. For example, I may lead the eldership team here in Harvest Church, but we are a team together. We're a team where there's nothing that we can't ask one another. I don't mean nothing we can't ask one another about doctrine. I mean nothing we can't ask one another. End of. Anything. Personal lives. How we're doing in our marriages, our families. 
We talk about all sorts of stuff. We don't just talk about the church. We talk about us as well. Because we're a team together. Because we honour one another. Because our heart commitment is to one another. We have accountability, therefore. Accountability isn't what somebody asks of you. It's what you offer someone. I make myself accountable. I choose to talk about what's going on in my life. I don't wait to be pushed into a corner. We don't have thumbscrews in the elder's office, which get applied on a Tuesday morning when we meet, funnily enough. We have loving, working friendship. Where it's safe. It's safe to talk about what's going on. Where we choose to make ourselves vulnerable with one another. Now that may not completely work in every work setting. I understand that. But I tell you what, my experience from when I was a surveyor was I'm working in quite an interesting, tough business, very competitive business. It's the folk I work with, the more honest and open and accountable I was with them, the greater the strength the team was. The greater the sense of dynamic of, hey, we're in this together. That isn't just about me making my money and stuff everyone else. But it's about the good of the organization. The good of the business. And you, can, you can change culture in a workplace. You don't have to be the boss to change culture. I wasn't the boss. You can change it from the inside up. By who we are. By how we work. I just want to also make this observation, though. We all need to be accountable to someone else. That's where we find authority. As leaders, as elders in this church, we are accountable to one another and to those who serve this church. People that we would call as having Ephesians 4 gifts or those that we refer to as bringing apostolic ministry into the church. Malcolm, Chris, Guy. We're accountable to them. We tell them what's going on. Not reluctantly, we tell them what's going on. We know that actually they will help us to become more mature. As a church, as a leadership team, they will be able to speak into us. They'll bring godly challenge. We trust them with the direction they bring, with the challenge they bring, with the questions they ask, with the counsel they will bring to us. See, you may think, oh, well, surely Andrew's the top of the... Yeah, he's not accountable to anyone. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got a whole load of people I'm accountable to. An eldership team. As a team, we're accountable to those who serve us. I sit on other teams I'm accountable to. It, you just, it gets bigger, not less. I'm accountable also, though, in a right sense, to the whole church. And we are as elders. We're accountable for our lives. Ultimately, though... Always to God. Is accountability a high priority in your life? Do you go seek it? Or is it something, well, I guess if somebody asks me, then I may have to spill some beans. Will you be open with others? Will you tell them what's going on in your life? You don't need to be leading anything. You just be discipling somebody. Are you going to disciple somebody? Well, you've just got to go and do, 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 do. Or are you going to share your life with them? 
You're going to let them in. You're going to tell them what's going on in your life. The third thing, servant leadership, accountable leadership, is this complementarian leadership. Complementarian leadership. That's a long word. How do you spell that? Don't worry, just put comp. Complementarian leadership. Just want to make this observation. We recognize and want to celebrate when we're talking about leadership, both men and women receive gifts of leadership. Full stop. We want to recognize that. I think sometimes there can be a thought in the church, well, it's only men, isn't it, in leadership? No. Men and women can be leaders in the church. We also recognize as elders that we want to release those who are gifted at any level of leadership across the church. But we do also believe there is a biblical pattern which is unpacked across Scripture for complementarian leadership in two particular settings. First one, the home. Husband and wife lead together in the home. Albeit the husband carries God-given responsibility to be head of the family and ultimately responsible to God for what happens in the family. That's not to limit, but to release. That's what we mean by complementarian. It means we complement one another. God gives lots of gifts and we complement one another as we work together. In the church, secondly, everyone is released to carry leadership inside and out of the church with suitably qualified and gifted men recognized as elders by the church and the apostolic ministry who serve us. These men have a God-given responsibility to lead the church and been appointed and anointed by the Holy Spirit and recognized by the church. Okay, I was going to go on and talk about leadership in the church. I would have uh, turned to 1 Peter 5, 1 to 7, but time is really pushing us, so I'm not going to read that now. You may want to go and have a read of it later on. Just to uh, very briefly, though, give some headlines. So what is eldership? What is eldership in the church? I said uh, we'd talk about it for briefly for a few minutes. What do we see as eldership? Well, first and foremost, elders, there are some character qualifications for elders. And you may want to look at 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. That's 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, or Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Ultimately, elders are under-shepherds to Jesus of his church. That's what elders are. What do they do? What are the roles of an elders? Well, five Ds. I'm going to just rattle them off very quickly. Direction, they bring leadership, a sense of where we are going as a church. Secondly, doctrine. One, uh, uh, second role, feeding the church, making sure we as a church are well fed. Not just any old junk food, but well fed on the word of God, handled well. Proclaiming truth to us as a church, but also to society as a whole. Third D, discipline. Discipline? What do you mean discipline? 
Well, discipline is an essential aspect of making disciples. Funnily enough, they have the same root as a word. But discipline guards the church from wolves. Do you know there are people who love to tear a church to pieces? Those seeking to devour people by leading people astray, people who are sexually immoral or uh, with wacky doctrines or wanting to bring strife or disunity into a church. (laughs) That's what discipline does. It brings, it protects, it's that protection. It's protecting the church from those who want to destroy the church, but also to help us to live our lives rightly. I know that's not a word. I could have put righteously. To live out the righteousness of God in our lives. The fourth D is this. It's display. We're responsible as elders. We're responsible for how we feel as a church. How we come across as a church. I don't mean how do we feel. Do we feel happy or sad? But how when somebody comes in through these doors and meets us. Or when somebody meets you in the shop or when you're talking to somebody at work, how we come across as a church, not just in our corporate meetings, but as individuals. For the voice we have into society, that we do actually speak into society, that we don't back off and just say, well, well, we're just a church, we're just hunkering down here until Jesus returns. No. We have a voice into society for speaking out of the goodness of God, the grace of God, for being relevant to the world today. Not getting into weirdness, but into godliness. We have a role in the display of the feel uh, of the church, governing the affairs of the church. And then finally, fifth one is this delegation. It's equipping and empowering and releasing the whole church to be all that we're called to be in Christ. You could say servanthood, because that's really why, what it is. It's serving everyone else. See, leadership in the church isn't about elders. It's about the church. It's about body ministry. <laughs> the elders have a particular gift and a particular responsibility, but actually we all have different gifts different responsibilities before God that we need to exercise and exercise well. And in so doing, in the whole body coming together, that body language we find in 1 Corinthians 12, members of one body, we become this glorious thing, this thing called the church, which speaks of the grace and mercy and love of God, not just to one another, but to the world around us. Can I make this one plea? Please pray for us as elders. Please pray for those who lead your life groups. Please pray for those who lead ministries in this church and teams in this church. Please pray for leaders. Satan loves to take out leaders. You know, when, when a leader falls, it brings discredit on the church. And disaffection and disunity in the church. Pray for leaders. Whether it's a a leader of one or five or 50 or 100 or 500 or 50,000 or whatever it is. Pray for leaders. Pray for leaders in our nation as well. Pray for our government. Whether you like the government or not, you are instructed in scripture to pray for those who govern us and rule us. 
You can pray for God's blessing on them. You can pray for wisdom in making policies, for integrity. You can pray for godliness. We can do all of these things. We need to pray for those in leadership across society. We can pray for our bosses. We can pray for our leaders in business, for our leaders in social care, for our leaders in the NHS, for our leaders in local council as well as national government. And we need to pray. We need to pray. But within all of that, could I ask, please pray for us as elders too. I understand you did just that last week and I'm so grateful. We need it. We need it. Satan loves to take out leaders. He loves to take out leaders. I hope this morning you've just started to pick up a brief sense. It's uh, so difficult to encompass something so big as leadership and try and talk about it in less than a few hours. That leadership is so important for us as individuals. It starts with governing our lives well, leading our lives well, believing for some of us maybe that we're even worth it, that we have a right to, or that God calls us to, and he will make us accountable for our lives and how we've lived our lives. It then grows as we look to care for and love others and disciple others and help others to follow Jesus. And we're all called to do that too. And it grows a bit further as God gifts gifts of leadership for a few, for a few more than a few, perhaps for a dozen. Let's be people who are open to how God would call us to serve others in an accountable way, in a loving way. Let's see his kingdom come through godly leadership in this church which affects our nation which affects where we work which affects our neighbourhoods which affects our homes which affects every aspect of society your kingdom come O Lord your will be done on earth as it is in heaven even through me this day in Jesus' name, even through you this day, we can pray that prayer. God, use me to see your kingdom come. Let me play my role as a leader, however you want me to. Let's go on a journey together and grow in the grace of leadership. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're uh, pushing time, so I will bring our meeting to a conclusion at this point. Those folks, though, um, who have words... Um, uh, or want to respond to some of the words which were brought, Aaron's word and others, uh, feel free. We'd love to pray for you. If you're here today and you're sick and you would like someone to pray for you, we would love to pray for God's healing for you. If you have other needs today and you're here and you would like somebody to pray for you, please don't rush off. We will pray together. Thank you. Otherwise, refreshments again be served. Please don't forget to uh, grab your children quite quickly as uh, we have overrun. Thank you.